a lot of them. Ice on me, I'm popping. Try and get like me. Uh, how's it going, everyone? Um, happy Tuesday. We have an amazing guest for episode 43. We've got Mesa Chihada, who is the founder and CEO of Behave, one of my favorite emerging uh, sweets and confectionery brands. Uh, I'm a diehard. I have a huge sweet tooth, and I love all things gummy bears, you know, you name it. So uh, really excited to, to chat and have been a big hey. fan uh, since you guys launched. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Well, let's, let's, you know, keep it casual and high level. I know how busy you are this week um, with summer coming up and uh, all the uh, excitement of, of hot weather, but, you know, Mesa, tell us just who are you, where are you from um, and what, you know, really got you to, to embark on this path of, of building uh, a better for you CPG brand. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm Mesa. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I uh, am originally from uh, the DC suburbs. So I'm from Northern Virginia. Uh, my family is originally from Tunisia, but I grew up in uh, right outside of DC. Uh, we let me think I uh, spent most of my career in brand marketing and partnerships prior to uh, deciding that I wanted to get on this crazy CPG, uh, you know, journey. Uh, I started my career at the NFL. Uh, after the NFL, I went. I worked at Uber for a number of years. I did partnerships and business development there. Um, after joining Uber, I left to join Daily Harvest, which is a, a sort of health food brand. I joined there quite early. We were still a pretty small team when I joined. Um, it's definitely a much bigger brand today, but um, it was really fun kind of being there in the early days. And that was definitely my first exposure kind of into the health food and the wellness world. Um, after Daily Harvest, I went to Soul Cycle, which is a fitness brand, um, boutique fitness company, one of the first. Um, and I led a business development team there. Uh, and then I kind of got this bug for this idea around candy and creating a better option in the candy space. Um, Frank, I actually kind of had that initial thought and that initial idea while I was working at Daily Harvest. Um, I was very much kind of like re-looking at the way that I eat. And I think you're probably similar. You have an ice cream brand. So I just have always been such a sweet tooth. I love like candy and I love, you know, ice cream, like just all the junk food, everything sugar, I can't resist. I have no self-control around it. Um, but definitely kind of like getting older and working in the health food space. I wanted to um, just kind of clean up how I was eating and feel better about the foods that I was putting into my body. And frankly, like the, the thing that I just could not kick was candy. Like Friday would roll around and I'd be at a movie or I'd be like at the corner bodega in my neighborhood and I would just grab like two, three bags of candy and just down them over the course of, I was going to say the weekend, but honestly, like the night. Which, which and... brands? I hate to interrupt, but like I was no, a diehard Gushers fan. I mean, oh, Haribo. Gushers, I love. You know, what, yeah. what, were, what were your go-to uh, gummy snacks that you were grabbing? Yeah, so I mean, my go-to candies, definitely gummies have always been the ones that I love. Um, and uh, the watermelon sour patch were definitely Amazing. a go-to. Um, anything Haribo, the, Haribo has this like star mix. And you actually, you can almost never find it anywhere except at airports. So that's like something I really associate with. Anytime I'm traveling, I feel like I always grab that Haribo star mix. And um, 
honestly anything Haribo. Like I, I, I love all those products. I will never sit here and say like, you know, I obviously started a brand to disrupt that space, but, um, but I, I have, you know, I have that childhood nostalgia for those products. And the reality is just that I loved eating them. I loved like grabbing that candy and having it while I was traveling. Or like I said, like, you know, end of the week at a movie, like having that candy um, was such a moment of kind of like fun and joy and nostalgia for me. But I was just getting to the point where I just, my body couldn't even like take that amount of sugar anymore. Like I would eat it and then I would feel super like I would get a sugar rush and then a sugar crash or honestly like it would even trigger like anxiety for me sometimes that like really um massive influx of sugar and so that was what really kind of started me thinking like are there any better options in candy and I, I remember seeing so many better for you options coming up in so many categories whether it was pasta with like chickpea pasta or ice cream with like halo top which was a low sugar or like even products like your guys's that were like fruit based and um all natural and and really taking the artificial ingredients out um and i looked in the candy aisle and there just was really no disruption almost no innovation the one sort of like if you could call it innovation that did show up in candy was really switching to organic um but actually a lot of the organic products actually had more sugar even than the traditional products. Um, and so that was what kind of initially got my, like really as a consumer, I wanted to find something better, didn't find anything. And then I think my business light bulb went off a little bit and I was like, why isn't anyone disrupting this space? Um, especially just with the trends that we're seeing across the country and across the world in terms of how people are eating. Um, and that was kind of what initially sparked, like, okay, I, I kind of want to dig into this a little further and, and see if there's something here. So I, I think something, a lot of parallels that I've seen, I relate so much to your story. Um, a lot of breakthrough disruptive CPG brands, there's a formula, which is, uh, consumer habits that we've really adapted as children or over the courses of our lives, something that we love but just ingredients that are subpar that truly aren't better for you. And then, you know, folks like yourself who are like, you know what, why is X ingredient in this product? Why is there 30 grams of sugar um, in this product when you can deliver a similar taste or experience with one fourth, one fifth, one tenth of the sugar or alternative ingredients. Um, so I, I think, I think usually these, you know, successful brands like yourself, um, they, they, they tap into that formula and you're not changing it completely creating a new uh, consumer habit. Um, my one thing that I'd love to start on is, you know, some of the companies, the brands that you've worked with, these are, you know, fortune 500 top, you know, Uber daily harvest soul cycle. Um, what was the initial reaction when you were sharing, uh, the fact that you wanted to start a gummy bear brand and how were you able to deal with some of the judgment of others in the early days to really go out and do this? Because, it takes a lot to do that. And I have a lot of respect for people who uh, really make the leap and, and take that financial, emotional, um, you know, that leap. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm like, whose reaction should I share? My parents or my friends or um, no, you know, I, All I, I think, above. yeah, I, I think um, I was really lucky, like being a lot of the companies I worked at are just very entrepreneurial um, in spirit. So even at Uber, like there's sort of this world of like Uber alumni that have all gone on to start companies. So I, I have anyways just been surrounded by so many friends and mentors and people um, in my life that have either 
um, founded companies or, you know, at, at Daily Harvest, I was working really closely with the founders. So I think I had exposure to, um, to that type of person. And I think people who have, you kind of have two types of people who have started companies. You have the ones that are like, run, don't do it, like avoid it at all costs. And then you have the people that are just super encouraging and that are like, look, if I can do it, you can do it. Here are the tools that helped me like get my company off the ground. And there's no reason why you can't do this too. I would say both of the, of that type of advice can be motivational for me. I definitely gravitate towards the second, like I've already thought of all the reasons why something cannot work. Um, and so I really gravitate towards people that are super encouraging and people who are just like, look, there's, you have a good idea. You have the skills that you need to get something off the ground. So just go after it. Um, and I think probably even like on a subconscious level, I don't even know if I was doing this super intentionally, but I just like would, I would spend all my time with people that were in that camp. So I like, I met a couple of founders in the food and beverage space. I was really intentional when I first had this idea, but I still wasn't sure like exactly what to do to get it off the ground or if I would leave my job to do this. Um, I was asking everyone to introduce me to food and beverage founders that they knew. Um, and I got connected to some really great people um, and some really amazing founders who were just so encouraging, who, you know, I would just connect with them every month or every couple of weeks and, and just kind of get share an update with them on where I was at and, and what I was working on. And they were like, great, you're doing, you know, you're doing everything right. You're th asking the right questions, like keep going here. Here's the next steps that you're going to need to do. Here's like, here's the number for my accountant. Here's the number for my lawyer, like call them, they'll take care of you. Um, next, you're going to need a branding agency. Here are the five branding agencies that we've talked to that we like. So go talk to them and here's what they should charge you. And here's how you should think of it. So having those people around that, I, I think, frankly, in a way, I almost like on a subconscious level, um, like, uh, I don't know, like, kind of closed myself off to people that were not going to have that energy and was only really spending time and interacting with people in my life that had that like super positive, encouraging energy. And you can feel it, right? You can feel it when you tell your friend, like, I'm thinking about starting this company. They might even be smiling and saying like that they're excited for you, but you can feel when the energy is like fear and, um, you know, like they're all like, they're judgment. Kind of like yeah, judgment yeah. or like they're almost projecting their own fear onto you. And, and I think it is really important in those early days when you're still kind of deciding, like, if you can go in and do this full time um, to protect yourself a little bit and to protect your energy for sure. Um, and the other thing that I, you know, I, I try to speak really openly about is a huge part of me being able to get over that hump of I have an idea, you know, I, I work in, in these, um, I, I've been so lucky to work at these amazing brands. I, I had a really great role um, at SoulCycle. Um, how am I going to go? But I have this little idea. How am I going to go from here to actually leaving my job? Actually, therapy was such a huge part of that journey. I started therapy actually right around the time when I really started to think about this idea as something I might want to do. Um, and we've just worked through so many things on a personal level for me, whether it's been, you know, limiting beliefs that I have about myself, imposter syndrome, you know, my belief in myself to be able to do something like this, my beliefs around money and if I can raise money and if I can, um, if I can, you know, manage the finances of the business, uh, you know, the way that I need to and, um, you know, so just really working through like a lot of those fears that just you build up over the course of your life that can be really limiting and preventative 
to being able to like make that leap. Um, therapy was actually really huge for me to, to kind of work through a lot of that stuff and, and get to a point where I just felt so confident in, um, you know, that this was something that I wanted to do. It's so interesting you say that Mesa, because I relate to that every Sunday for the last almost three years now. I, uh, I also do the same thing and, and I, that has changed, you know, my entire mental framework, yeah. um, you know, and it's, it's important to kind of. Uh, constantly surround yourself with people who are going to celebrate you and empower you versus, uh, you know, judge, project their insecurities and hold you back from really like manifesting what you want to bring into yeah. existence. You know, okay. things like uh, even the reason that this, sh this show even started is exactly what you just shared because I just started reaching out to any and all founders in the space. Yeah. And every time I talked to someone for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, not only was I energized, um, but I feel like I learned so much and knowledge yeah. shared and like it's there's a really powerful community in the space. So, yeah. And, and I'm and I'm talking about this and I'm like, actually, you're one of the people that I got connected to, I think, at some point when I was just like asking to for intros to great founders. I am pretty I forget who, but someone connected us. And I, I actually have such a vivid memory because I had a call with you. I was in the airport um, about to board a plane. And then right after we spoke, I spoke with the person who ended up becoming our um, factory for our company. And so I, I just have such like a really vivid memory of speaking to you and, and just, yeah, getting really energized by that call for sure. Appreciate that. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, separately, I guess I'd love to hear, so you have this amazing idea, right? And you want to go after it and you feel ready to, to make that transition from a career perspective. How do you even get started with making behave, you know, where do you, where do you even look if you're going to go launch a, a create and develop a, a gummy bear and something that you guys focus on is you didn't want to just work with food scientists. You want to work with chefs. So like, how did you even have, begin that process? Yeah, absolutely. So um, definitely started like some of the early development and, and some of uh, laying the foundation for the business while I was still in my um, previous role. So kind of nights and weekends working on this on the side. Um, so yeah, kind of exactly what you just said is like, First question, how, what do we need to do first? For me, it was definitely, can we make this product, right? Is there a way to make candy that's gonna taste amazing, that is still gonna give you that nostalgic experience of eating candy like as a kid or just eating those childhood favorite candies of yours, um, but deliver it with you know a fraction of, of the amount of sugar that comes with traditional candy and then also not using any artificial ingredients. So some of the low sugar candy that does exist um, is really made with artificial sweeteners and sugar alcohol. So you'll see, you know, you'll see like aspartame uh, sweetened candy or candy made with, you know, erythritol or maltitol or sucralose. Um, and these, they're, they're typically branded as like diabetic candy. It feels very like candy for grandma. Um, and so, you know, but, but the first question we really wanted to ask is, can we make this candy? Can we make it taste great, reduce the sugar significantly, but not use anything artificial? Um, and so, you know, I had some thoughts on some of the ingredients and, and some of the ways that we would do that. And ultimately you kind of mentioned this. I spoke with a number of kind of R and D, um, like food labs, and I really, I was a bit turned off by the approach. So the approach that I really heard from a lot of these places is basically like you tell them the nutrition panel that you want to hit. Um, you tell them the ingredients you want to use. You tell them like the ingredients that are absolute no's. Um, and then they almost like back into a formula for you, right? It's almost like they actually like what a lot of them will do is they'll formulate in Excel 
And then once they kind of like tweak the numbers to a point where the nutrition panel looks like how you want it to look, then at some point they'll kind of like go in the lab and test the recipe, um, which to me just felt like that's not really the way that you make like great food. So then I had this thought that working with a chef could be a really interesting approach that is very uncommon in candy, at least not in this type of candy. You see a lot more culinary in chocolate, um, but not as much in like sugar confection. So um, I kind of thought like if I can find an incredible pastry chef who just knows like flavor and sweets really well um, to partner with and to really think about bringing these products to life, that that could be a great way for us to be the best tasting, low sugar, better for you candy in the market. So I just from like a really practical perspective, frankly, I Googled like top, I think top female pastry chefs. I knew I wanted to work with a female chef as well. Um, and I reached out to a bunch of people and I ended up connecting with this um, amazing celebrity chef named Elizabeth Faulkner. Uh, and we just like hit it off instantly. It was one of those things where we connected super quickly. We had a, a phone call and then a coffee like the next day. And um, she just was really bought into the idea, really bought into the mission and just felt super confident that like she could make this. You know, Elizabeth has done like every food competition show you can think of. She just has that like competitive spirit too when it comes to food. Um, but she's also a really big proponent of reducing sugar, like better eating, sustainability um, in our food system and, you know, reducing the amount of artificial ingredients that we're using. So she just really honestly jumped on board really quickly. And we just started ordering ingredients basically off of Amazon and just going, getting into her kitchen or, um, you know, we were borrowing a commercial kitchen space from a friend and, just literally like nights and weekends, just messing around until we landed on something that we felt really good about. And then we basically took that, once we landed on that recipe that we felt great on, we took that prototype and we basically used that to like fundraise um, uh, angel roundup from um, a, a small group of investors. And we also put that prototype product on the shelf of a store and we sold out in three days. Um, and that was also like kind of that validate point of validation that I really needed to um, to just feel like we were onto something and that this is a product that's going to resonate with people and that we've created something that tastes incredible and is hitting these sort of health metrics that we were going for. Um, and that was kind of what catapulted me to actually kind of leave my job and go in on this full time. It's awesome. So you had some initial validation proof of yeah. concept that you're like, ready to rock. Um, yeah, exactly. and, and so now with, with where behave sits, you guys are primarily D to C and Amazon or, or just D to C just D to C. Yeah. Primarily. Okay. And, and in, intentionally that's, you want to really keep the data, understand your customer. Have there been any interest? Has there been any interest to go into Amazon or is that something at a later date or something that you've just counted out? Yeah, I think Amazon is definitely part of our strategy. You know, we definitely are building an omni-channel business, I would say. We're not here to build like a D2C candy company. I think candy at the end of the day is still an impulse purchase. Um, where we have put our candy on the shelf in retail stores, we've only done a few small scale partnerships um, in retail, but where we have put the product, we have, see we have quickly become the best selling product in most of the retailers that carry us. Um, and we just see that the, you know, the, the rate at which people are buying the product is super high because we're, it's that grab and go. It's that like you're checking out and you see a bag of candy and you grab it and you go. So we know retail is going to be a really important part of our business and of our overall strategy. But to your point, 
we wanted to start with the D2C because we really wanted to own that relationship with the customer. You know, what I think is when you launch into retail first with a food brand, you don't, people are buying your product off the shelf and you are not interacting with them in any way. And actually, you know, for us, it was really great that we started with a D2C channel because we actually took in um, really quick feedback right after launch. Um, what we were hearing from customers was, People loved the taste, people loved the texture, people were blown away um, by how good it tasted relative, you know, especially relative to the fact that it had three grams of sugar and 90 calories. Um, but we were hearing from people like, we want even, we would love to see it even lower sugar. We would, you know, there, there are, um, we, you know, and, and a few other like small pieces of feedback that we received from customers because we were direct to consumer. So everyone who bought the product could email us, you know, reach us by Instagram, social media, um, and we were having these direct conversations and that actually led us to within a few weeks of launching um, change, update our formula. And so that was like another decision that I think is only really feasible when you are in the direct to consumer channel and you're talking to your customer directly on a day to day basis. So, you know, there's so many benefits, I think, to being direct to consumer early on. Um, but we definitely see ourselves expanding, you know, Amazon, other third party e-commerce, as well as um, kind of brick and mortar retail. And is that the game plan for 2021 is more retail exposure or is it really um, scaling D2C and other omnichannel options um, and then retail in like a year or two? We're starting to, um, we're definitely starting to kick off some retail partnerships this year. Like I said, we've had a few small things here and there. Um, we're, we're part of some really cool kind of um, innovative retail concept stores like Pop-Up Grocer and Neighborhood Goods and the Goods Mart here in New York. Um, so we're definitely trying to expand on on those, but we really want to make sure right now where we show up in retail is places that is getting that are getting us in front of our target customer, um, that are getting us in front of, you know, the type of consumer that's going to be interested in our product and excited to discover us, um, and that we're you know the retail spaces that we're showing up in are just really aligned with our brand and really aligned with our kind of mission and, and our messaging. So. Um, I would say we're being pretty selective, but I, I, there will definitely be some hope, really exciting retail rolling out even within 2021. Um, and then I would say 2022 will hopefully be the year to, to really build on that and, and to ramp up. What I think you said um, about D2C um, with regards to getting consumer feedback is really smart. When you're in retail in thousands of doors, it's a lot more challenging to tweak a formula, launch a new SKU. You have to pay for new packaging or nutrition labels if you make major updates. So I think I think you're spot on. And you know, oftentimes I think founders are rushed to get into as many doors as possible because yeah. investor pressure is like, I need top line growth. Um, so making sure it's really smart, uh, being patient, which yeah. is probably impossible for you and I because. All we yeah. want to do is put our product everywhere. So I commend right. you for the for the patience on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your favorite? You know, in 2021, there's so many ways to market a brand: uh, organic reach, paid reach. Um, what channels are your favorite for building brand right now, and how are you getting in yeah. front of customers? Yeah, it's such a good question. And it's something that we're honestly tweaking like on a day to day basis. At the moment, we're really constantly monitoring all of our channels, trying to understand like where we're really seeing like where we really feel like we can engage with our community. I would say that's probably our number one metric right now, maybe even more so than like sale. I mean, of course, sales is like always going to be the number one, but we want sales with customers that 
feel excited about behave and excited to discover us, not just, you know, cheap, um, like whatever's the cheapest, you know, customer acquisition channel that is driving clicks or, or driving, um, you know, just that, that bottom, maybe bottom of funnel um, conversion, but with people that are not necessarily super engaged with us. Um, so I, I would say for us right now, it's definitely organic. Um, Instagram is a great channel for us. Um, and that's really heavily supported by influencer marketing. So we are, um, and I know, I feel like influencer marketing maybe has become like, it's not like a four letter word, but it's just like something that can mean anything at this point. But for us, what it really means is identifying people that are just super aligned with what we're trying to do and say as a brand. And just to clarify, like what we're trying to do and say as a brand, it's not, really not about diet. It's not even necessarily about like, cutting out sugar or being a health product or being a diet product. We really stay away from that. What our brand is all about is like living your best life, feeling like you can have the freedom to do whatever you want. And if that means eating like three bags of candy in a row, we want to be here for you to do that. Um, if you also want to have like milk bar birthday cake, you should do that too. Like we're so when when we think about the type of people we want really talking about behave and interacting with our brand, we're reaching out to all kind of influencers that really like embody that. Um, we think a lot about like diversity, di obviously racial diversity, but also like diversity of body types. Again, really not trying to stay away from just being that really skinny fit person that is representing like a health food brand. So we we try to be really intentional there. And then the other one that's been really fun is TikTok. I know you guys are crushing it on TikTok. Um, and we have also kind of started building out our presence there. and. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a day to day, um, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I'm like an embarrassing millennial on TikTok. Um, Me too. That's we're, all right. We're trying to figure <laughs> it out. And, and I love like even outside of brand marketing, I love TikTok. Like I'm on it all day. I, I probably stopped watching TV. I just consume TikTok at this point. I think it's like the most powerful channel out there, even just from like a social, you know, like, uh, I don't know like human perspective. Um, but as a brand, we really want to show up there. TikTok is very in line again with our sort of brand message and our tone of voice that is very irreverent. And it's very um, kind of in your, a little bit in your face and a little bit like say what you want, do what you want. So I think TikTok is a good platform for us to really build community around that and, and drive that message home. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the organic reach on TikTok is is wild. Um, it's a lot more fun. It doesn't, you know, I see Instagram more as like your traditional magazine, whereas yeah. TikTok feels totally. like, you know, Gen Z television um, yeah. and just a lot more freeform and, and creative. Um, love that. So um, want to be conscious of your time, but I think uh, Mesa would love to hear any major things that you might pass on to anybody who's trying to build a, a CPG brand, uh, key, like, you know, tough lessons, key learnings or advice for people trying to kind of do what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, one that I always pass along and that just served me so well was really that um, connecting with other founders in the space. You know, though, like, again, just starting to ask around anyone, you know, or, you know, even just LinkedIn messaging people. I mean, of course, being respectful of people's time and understanding that you may not always get responses to that, but um, really connecting with other founders that were. And, and the other thing I would say, too, is like if you're just starting out and you just have an idea, 
connecting with a founder who has a hundred million dollar brand is actually probably like you, if you can get them to answer your LinkedIn message, that's great. It's probably going to be less valuable to you than connecting with someone who just launched six months ago. Cause the person who just launched remembers what it felt like to be in the idea stage. And they remember what it felt like to like, try to figure out how to incorporate, you know, a Delaware C Corp or like how to find a co-packer or how to find a warehouse or, you know, they, they're and not the playbook changes like when it took to launch a brand that was five, 10, 15 years old is a lot so different true. than what it is in, in 2020. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So like, yeah, like definitely finding that tribe of founders and, and really connecting with people and, and doing it in like an authentic and genuine way and trying to make it as much of a two way exchange as you can. Like if there's something, if you have something you can offer to that founder, whether it's some type of expertise or an introduction or, um, you know, try to be really respectful of their time and, and ask if there's something that you can do to help them out. Um, and then if you can get a 30 minute call or a coffee with them and, and just really, you know, pick, uh, I hate the word pick their, pick your brain, but That's like, the worst. <laughs> I know, but, but like, yeah, just, just get some time with them too. And, and I think like what I realized too is founders are so generous with their time because every founder had those founders that were ahead of them that helped them. So there's kind of this like pay it forward mentality, I think in the food and beverage space. And I think just generally with founders, um, just in, in all kind of industries is like, yeah, someone, someone was there to like hold their hand a little bit when they were early on and give them a little bit of encouragement. So um, now they like, they kind of want to pass that down too. So definitely, connecting and um and finding people in your space that can kind of help guide you in terms of like what are the next steps and and what are the things that you you're going to need to do and um and then i think the other one like again i mean not to just be like talking about therapy all the time which i honestly do because i love therapy but like like doing a lot of personal work I, I actually think that goes a long way and starting a company is it is hard like i think anyone can do it. And I'm, I want to cheerlead anybody who wants to do it. But I think doing that alongside um, just, yeah, kind of fi find it, figuring out what is going to um, like expand yourself to a place where you can, um, yeah, where, where you're just going to be the best version of yourself to like start this company and be energized every day and build a team and build a business. Um, I think doing doing that work, it doesn't have to be before, like you don't have to become the perfect person before you start the company, but just starting to tap into some of that, whether it's through therapy, through meditation, through um, even just like exercise and just building some like healthy habits um, that not exercise to lose weight, but like for mental health and just for kind of clarity of mind and stuff, building some of those healthy habits that are, um, yeah, are, are just going to feed your energy and are just going to like put you in a really good place to succeed. I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. I think when you when you go out on a journey like this, uh, there's a lot of self-exploration and understanding yeah. who you are, how you want to build your career, how that fits into your you know life framework. Um, it's spot on. Um, amazing. Well, I guess the last thing I'd love to know is, um, you know, where is Behave in five, 10 years? Any exciting updates or news that you can share? And just a, another thank you for, for coming on today. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, when you're like, so in the weeds, it's, it's hard to be thinking, you know, five, 10 years ahead. But I, you know, I, I think where I really see us being is just like, suit, like walk into any store and find behave. Um, you know, I definitely want, um, you know, we, 
like we know that we're a higher priced item right now and, and we we are a premium product right we're using really high end ingredients which are expensive and um you know that that is part of what is going into our higher price but also as a small business you're running smaller quantities so that's all driving price right now i definitely want to see us at a more accessible price point in the long run um and yeah where you can just walk in anywhere and and grab a bag of behave that's definitely the vision for the brand i think also um you know really having a super wide assortment of flavors products you know I, like we really think of ourselves as not just innovating in terms of making candy better for you but also like we have elizabeth this our, our chef on our team who is such like we sometimes call her just are like our own Willy Wonka. Like she is so innovative. She has so many ideas. She's so talented. Um, and I just have like so much excitement for all the amazing like innovative products and flavors that we're going to be able to bring into the candy aisle. So I would say just like, yeah, a wall of like tons of behave products that are all incredible and that you would almost rather um, that tastes even better than the traditional products. Um, and yeah, where you can just walk in anywhere and find us. Amazing. Love it. And then uh, for anyone, guys, check out uh, it's eatbehave.com, correct? Yeah, yep. eatbehave.com. And, and, do yeah. You per, and what do you recommend, the sour or the sweet? What's your favorite? Oh, my gosh. You're not allowed to have a favorite child, but it's the sour. I, I, I love just it. love sour candy. Amazing. Mesa, thank you again. Guys, check it out, eatbehave.com. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks so much, David. Have a good one. You too. Bye.